A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Narrows podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. We're up in Ballymun again. We're spending a lot of time here at the moment, Timmy. We sure are. And we're with our friend Terence Power from the Talking Bollocks podcast. Hi, Thanks for having me on, boys. I appreciate it. I've been a fan of yours. Our podcast for a long time, so it's a pleasure to be on. Likewise, Thanks. and we were on yours. Yeah, because we're on. Ago, and it uh, went really well. And... Uh, you, you'll be no stranger to our audience, you know. Yeah. We have a lot of similar followers, I, I would say. Definitely, yeah. Because you know, uh, I suppose we have a lot of similarities in terms of, well, from working class backgrounds and we yeah. have this podcast and we talk about social issues and stuff like that, yeah. just on different sides of the country. So there's a lot of uh, uh, similarities there. But I'd say it's novelty. It's no few to be on that side of the fence, is it? Oh, big time, yeah. I'm a bit nervous as well, boys. Yeah, it's a bit mad being on this yeah. end of the table because when you're over there, you kind of have control, isn't it? Mm. Like, you decide where the conversation goes and yeah. you kind of have that bit of freedom. Yeah. But over here, I'm kind of like, oh, where's this going to go? You're a perspective mm. on that. Then. <laughs> no, yeah. You don't mind being interviewed because you're under no pressure to come up with something smart to say true. or a good question. It's like you're responding instead of trying to facilitate it. So well, you have to try and help out as well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some... some Sometimes, like, if you have someone on the other end and they're not giving you much, yeah. you're trying to pull, uh, you know what I mean? So I'm here saying to myself, I better play and give them a dig out as well yeah. by answering, you know what I mean? Not just, like, one-word answers and stinging you, then you're like, oh, what are they saying now, you know? It was at a, a live podcast. A difficult one. Yeah. Last, a few years ago, Blind Boy was in uh, St. Luke's a Church, nice little venue in Cork. And he had Mick Flannery, he's a singer, songwriter from Cork. He was actually on the Late Late Show last night, but... Uh, he was a bad guest. Was he? Yeah. <laughs> One word answers, dry, no crack. It's not easy. And you could see Blind Boy was like, for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? <laughs> and when we met him then, I was saying to Blind Boy, I was at that podcast, but dry, he said, you know, he said he was too shy. Yeah. So I saw it like the. Just because you have a good story, you have to be able to tell it as well. One hundred percent, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like with, with people like that, when you're on username now, so user. You was a host in this podcast here, yeah. You kind of have to try and drag her out of them, no matter. You can't just give up on it and go, yeah. ah, come here, mate. It's no use. Yeah. See you later. You have to pull her. You know what I mean? Sometimes so it's not it easy. Take a few minutes, yeah, for someone to get comfortable. Yeah, Once they get, get easy. Well, then they're much more chatty, and when they get more ch- more chatty and they start getting comfortable in the situation. Then they'll start opening up about stuff, you know. Definitely. Which is what I'm doing to you now. Yeah, easing me in. And then you, rubbing in, yeah. <laughs> getting, getting you nice and soft <laughs> and gentle. <laughs> to be, to be a podcast on YouTube, uh, African-American guys, but it's a, it's a real drinking podcast. I know the one you're on about. The game was on it now. Kanye West was on it. Fuck, mouldy. They get pissed on it. Yeah. And so they come on and I remember uh, the game came on. Now the game is in his 40s, right? Yeah. He comes on with a ball of lava. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Kanye West is the same. He came on with a sock over his head. Yeah. After a half an hour anyway, they're taking shots of whiskey and drinking fucking 40 ounces or whatever. They're langers drunk then. And so everybody then is waffling the ears off. Just be honest. But then uh, Joe Rogan was on with uh, your man, he's in the bed at the moment, uh, singer, tattoos on his face, wife. Post Malone? Yeah. You've seen the bad players, isn't see him on Joe Rogan. They were on oh. the heads of magic mushrooms. What are you? On the show. Five hours. The no way, James. That's risky, that boy is, isn't it? Fucking hell. That's risky, but like you were saying there, I think the first five, ten minutes of every podcast, Mm -hmm. just the first five, ten minutes is always the hardest part. That's why we do the thing, the zingers, you know what I mean? And either are or would you rather. It's just let's all ease into it because even as a host, it's kind of the first five minutes, it's a bit like touch and go. You're saying, where's this going to (laughs) go? And you're trying to get a feel for the guest and the energy in the room and stuff, you know? But after that, then, it's just flying. It's just a chat. It's just like, people sitting at a table having a chat whatever topic it is and you know what it's, and I, I used to think it was just Cork people but I think it's with the Irish alone in general we could sit here talking about Nike runners 
by the time we're finished talking about Nike runners, we're down this road here talking about cars, which yeah. is complete. But that's a half an hour down the road. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. we're so good at telling stories Definitely. and getting caught up over stuff mm. that not even the topic and yeah. we get to maybe show the people a different side too maybe get to know you a little bit more in depth so will you take us back to where you're from where you grew up what it was like for you yeah so I'm from Dublin's north in a city I'm from Dawes Estuary Flats and uh, my earliest memories growing up in, in the flats was like very positive like the community spirit was unbelievable boys like I would not change my upbringing for anything now I'm mm. going to get into a witches and obviously it was tough for a lot of it but my earliest memories were Good. I, I can't remember too much being wrong. Uh, my dad was obviously still alive at this time, so we lived with my ma and my dad, me and my two brothers in the flat. And then my ma and dad split, and my ma moved out. Then we went with her, and we used to stay with our dad on the weekends. So um, every weekend we'd go down there, but um, I think I was about seven or eight years of age. We were, we were living up in the cattle market just up uh, beside Cabletter is and uh, we it was a fr- I think it was a Friday night we were to go down and stay with our dad that night and I used to bring us down we'd stay there for the weekend and um, I remember I didn't want to stay in the house that night in the flat that night I don't know what it was we always had like uh, like I can't remember too much you know when you're thinking back mm. to a young age you can't remember in detail a lot of stuff yes. But I can remember it being a very positive place. So, like, when it came to Friday, we used to be like, oh, I can't wait to get down and stay with my dad. We were, we're in the flats, we're staying with my dad. Things were good. We're with my ma. My ma had a tough upbringing, she did. Mm. So, we her, like, when we moved out, like, she was she was an alcoholic. Like, mm. There was a lot of parties in the house mm. and stuff like that. And there was a lot of madness going on. It was a bit like, oh, what's going on here? Mm. So, getting down to our dad's was very positive for us. We loved it. And then I remember this this one night we went down, it was the Friday night, and uh, we were down there and my ma's on the balcony and she's having a few cans and she's getting ready to go home then. And I remember running down to her and I was screaming, saying, I don't want to stay there tonight, I don't want to stay. And she was like, why, what's wrong and all? What's that happening? I said, nothing, I just don't want to stay, I didn't want to stay that night. I don't know what it was. And me, my brothers and my ma, we still talk about it to this day, we can't put our finger on it. It was the only time I ever didn't want to stay with me dad. I just didn't want to stay that night. Something came over me. So uh, me and my ma went home. My two brothers stayed there, obviously. Uh, my ma gets a phone call at about 3 o'clock in the morning, and it's my brother. And he's crying, saying, my dad's after getting into the end of the bed, and he's kicking me, he's kicking me. He was taking an epileptic fit. But then he came over, and he rang me ma, and he said, look, Rachel, I'm grand. Um, I'm after getting back into bed there, and I'm all right, everything's all good. Then the next morning, my brother's ring me ma again and saying, my dad's not waking up, he's not waking up. He passed away that night. Mm. Took an epileptic fit and died. And I remember, like, to this day, we still talk about it. It's mad, like, boy. Oh, wait, how old were you? I was probably seven, eight, eight. seven eight at that at that time. But I had a good relationship with him. Yeah, great relationship with him. That's what I was saying. That was our safe space, like... Although my mum is a good person, but at that time she wasn't. She wasn't in her right she was, mind. She was. She was going through her own stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean. So she. She wasn't in her right mind. But uh, so like our dad's was a safe place. You know what I mean. So and I remember like that's what I can remember. I can't remember a lot of stuff in detail. As I said, I was young, but I always remember we couldn't wait to get down to me dad. You know what I mean? Because that was the safe space. There was no madness in the house. Like he wouldn't be having parties or drinking and getting drunk. Where with me ma, she, she was yeah. a head case at the time. She had her own problems, yeah. you know what I mean? So, uh, how did that affect you at that age? Like, I don't really know. I know, like, I started getting into an awful lot of trouble and stuff like that. It's only looking back now. At the time, I didn't really mm. know anything different. You know, as a kid, you don't go, on oh, my mental health is at me, yeah, especially back then. You're you know just what reacting to your environment. Yeah, just reacting so to it. You look back and you can analyze it then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, but. I don't, I don't know what happened that night. I just didn't want to stay, and he passed away. So, obviously, we, my ma left the house that she was staying in there, and we moved back into the flat then. So, there was me, my ma, and my two brothers. But from then, life, life got tough, boys. Like, mm-hmm. You didn't have to save space to go on and on. No, no. It was, it was, and like, we always, we use humour to like, uh, they're all of our stuff and yeah. like me and my brothers like to laugh about a lot of stuff that happened even though it was fucked up you know what I mean but yeah. 
Like it was, it was tough, boys. Like I remember, like the flat, like it was just, it was always dirt. We were dirty kids as well. Like, like we, we were never washed. Like and the, the flat was always dirty. Like I remember, like we had bunk beds in the room, and there'd be three of us. But the three of us would sleep on the bottom bunk together because mm. the room be that cold. Mm. And I have a fear of like, do you ever see a duvet with no sheet on it? Mm. Just a white cotton kind of. I have a fear of that now, boys, because it used to be just that on one pillow yeah. that was similar material. And we'd all sleep together in that shake and the walls would be damp. The floor, there'd be no like floorboards or line or whatever. The floor was just like a black kind of concrete, dirty mm. floor. Like it, it was just, it wasn't a nice place to be, you know what I mean? I can imagine it all. Yeah. Yeah. And like... You've probably seen we had Michal Martin on a couple of weeks ago, yeah. boys, yeah. And this way, I wanted to address a couple of things with him because I think him personally, and I think a lot of people don't really understand that kids go hungry, even in this day and age, never mind back then. But that's kind of hard to believe if you never went hungry. Yeah. Do you get me? And what I was kind of mentioning about uh, how we use, you know, me and my brothers always laugh now about, like... There was never food in the gaff, boys. Never, ever food, ever. Like, you open the press, there's nothing. The fridges weren't empty. It was just a cold, dark place. But me and my brothers always laughed about, like, we'd kill each other because there'd be three slices of bread in the press, right? Or there'd be green mould. And it'd be like a bit crunchy, yeah. the bread. And we'd kill each other over who got the heel. Yeah, yeah. And whoever got the heel, like, we're laughing, you know yeah, what I mean? And we'd yeah. pick the, we'd pick the mould over there and we'd put red sauce on it. And that's what red we'd sauce, eat, boys, yeah. yeah. Red sauce on, on a mouldy bread slice, you know what I mean? And that's, that's how it was, like, you know what I mean? Like, we'd no telly. I never watched the telly growing up, you know what I mean? Like, How old are you telling us now? Could have been, like, I'd say from the age of about 8 to 12. What age do you know? I'm 27 in August mm, now. Fucking not fully fair. No, it's not too long ago, Yeah, it's it's two thousand. How was school for you in those years? School, yes, I, I, <laughs> school was rough, boys. Like, I went to primary school. I was in an awful lot of trouble in primary school. And I noticed, it's like, it's only now when you kind of look back, I noticed that, like, there was a period of time in school where I wasn't a bald kid. And I think maybe something switched, and it could have been after my dad died, maybe, without realising it, where I just didn't want to be in school. Like, I went and caused trouble every day. Like, I'd be getting bleeding. Like, I wanted to Mitch and I'd get arrested. And it was just a mad old time. I was like, primary school. I was, a, I was a very intelligent kid, very intelligent kid. And I always remember I had the ability. Like, sometimes um, our aunt, uh, me auntie Betty, she would uh, take us over to sleep there. When we stayed with Betty, we'd have a dinner. She'd make us sandwiches before we got to bed and a cup of tea, a nice shower. She'd wash the uniform for us. It was, But at the time, I didn't realise the benefits of that. So the next day in school, I was performing better. I was, you know, I had a bird about me and I wanted, not that I wanted to be there, but I didn't mind being there. And I was intelligent, boys. I was. I was on the ball with stuff. But we you didn't were getting your needs met. Exactly. You were getting your security met. You were getting your food. Yeah. You were getting your, you know. Yeah. Sleep. Yeah. yeah. I'm going into school hungry, dirty. Yeah. Shame of us. Yeah. And that's where I was. That's where I was for most of the time. Well, all the time. I'd go into school and, like, as uniform would be manky dirty and our fingernails would be black. You know what I mean? And I know other kids, and I, even in the flats, I know that there was parents kind of telling their kids to like stay away from us, me and my two brothers, because like, they're, they're, they're going to get down the wrong road. Were there ever any interventions from teachers or principals or mm. social workers? Or? No, and I kind of hold a bit of resentment, to resentment towards the school because I think when I look back, I go, how could the you not see some... How could you not? Even in terms of my behaviour, boys, I was very, very bald in school. Like, very bald. I didn't want to be there. But the school would never suspend you or expel you. The primary school, they didn't do it. They didn't believe in that, which is probably a good thing. Because they should still have, like, school completion programme or homeschool liaison officers, yeah. the SNAs. There's, there's certain staff members in there that are designated to help people like yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that's a red flag. You see the neglect on you. Mm. And like you should be linked in with somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I think it was so obvious. I think even when I look back at pictures of me as a kid, I just look unhealthy. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I never looked like a, a well, like I, I I don't even know how to explain it. I just looked like a rough kid. You get me? And uh, but even in terms of like when it comes to like break time in the school like everybody be taking out their lunch boxes and they'd have that packed lunch and that tinfoil sandbound that little act of mail or whatever they had and we never had that we didn't so we would just sit there and we 
that ends comes to the the, the bigger break then the one o'clock break or whatever it is and the skill would have like sandwiches like up the front then so this kind of came into the school at this stage and we'd be going up we'd be robbing sandwiches and all into the back pocket into my school bag you know but I'm thinking how did the school never notice that me like me two brothers were a class above me in school but they would have been the same so how did the school never notice we never had a lunch we were never mm. clean like I think it was so obvious you know so I hold a bit of resentment for that and maybe I shouldn't but I do I yeah, you know what I mean? Look, I, I think I would have copped it from a mile away, you know? Yeah, like your mother wasn't able to look after you, but it's up yeah. to other adults then to step in. Yeah. And they didn't. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And that that's why I feel that way. Then, obviously, get the secondary skill. I was thrown out of secondary skill early, boys. Like, they, that's where you could get suspended and expelled. And I was... When I joined the secondary school, you do an entrance exam and you do these bits. And I was in the high class. I was to do higher level everything for the junior shit. So to study everything higher level. So, like, I was intelligent. Yeah. But I had an SNA for my troubles. Like, not for uh, learning difficulties, but, like, to follow me around and make sure I wasn't. But I just, I didn't want to be in school, boys. I was done with school. So I got kicked out there at the end of fourth year, I think it was. The end of fourth year, gone out there. And then I ended up in another school, Henrietta Street School. I need to give them a shout out because, my God, they were unbelievable with us. They were brilliant. They took me in. It was like, it was school and we learnt, but they understood us mm. as kids because all, all of us in there, there was only 20 kids in the school, four classes, five students per class. And we were all kind of troublesome kids, if that makes sense. We were all kicked out of school. Yeah. But these knew how to look after us. They knew how to deal with us when we were having our meltdowns or anything like that, you know what I mean? So they were very, very good with us. Like uh, in Cork, we have uh, St. Kevin's and we have the Cork Life Centre. Mm. But it's a school for people that were failed or didn't work out in mainstream education. Yeah. But it's not about uh, doing higher level for your junior sort. It's about the development of the child emotionally, psychologically. If the child is happy, you're winning. Exactly. If the child is happy, the grades will look after themselves. Yeah. It's not all about the grades, you know. It's just getting the order of things right. Yeah. And not the grades up here, the child's well-being is up here. Yeah. The grades will follow suit. Definitely, yeah. And do, you know, do you know, um, sorry. No, sorry. go ahead, yeah. Do you know when, um, <clears throat> we're in first year, uh-huh. or a transition from primary into first year is a difficult process. Yeah. Because you're going from whatever solvents you're at before then into first year where you're looking at third and fourth and fifth class fellas who are smoking a bit of weed taking yeah. tablets a bit of coke or whatever yeah. and then you kind of look at the boys and you're like fucking hell how, how, how was how was that for you yeah see even when I went into first year I wasn't really at and them boys I was only what yeah, 12, 13 going into first year so I wasn't even at any of that and I didn't even I was smoking cigarettes boys but yeah. that was it I wasn't looking at anything and I just didn't cross my mind I wasn't really looking at it at that stage I wasn't on my radar you know what I mean mm. Um, that came into my life about 15, 16 mm. drinking came into my life about 14 yeah. you're down the flats and you're getting your few bottles and yeah. you're getting locked and you're acting the bollocks and life is good then you're, having, mm. you're, you're looking forward to your Friday and your Saturday night to get down and get your run because you're young and you shouldn't be and it's just a kind of a buzz yeah. but obviously boys as you know that gradually gets worse for people like us yeah. some people can do that and have to feel when drinks you come throughout from life. neglect and trauma, mm-hmm. where you're just more likely to end in problematic yeah. drug use, alcohol use. Where we spoke about this earlier on as well with somebody, like most young fellas will have a drink 15, 16. Yeah. No matter who you are. Yeah. But when you come from a background like your own, you're more likely to end up in trouble with that drink because you're using it not just to socialise, but to give you self-esteem, confidence, to block out the pain, the mm. neglect and all that stuff, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. It becomes like a coping mechanism as opposed to just to have a crack. Well, that's exactly what it was, and that's it's only when I got away from then I kind of look back and go, that's exactly what was happening there, you know what I mean? So did you do your junior cert in Henrietta? I, I did my junior cert in there, and in their previous, they only did maths and English on the junior cert, that's all they did, because you're only in nine till two every day, and you went on a school trip every Thursday, and there was a half day on a Wednesday and a Friday, and you call the teachers by their first name, yeah. and you, you can wear your own clothes, you can wear the school uniform, it's up to you, and yeah. they just want you in, in the doors, and once you're there, that's how, that's good enough for them. Mm. Once you're in there and you're learning something, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not strictly like, informal. Yeah. yeah. And you know, one of the reasons I'd say maths and English was a big thing back then. Mm. No trades. You needed All you needed was more maths and English. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what they were thinking. Yeah. It's for trades, you know, like a lot of the other trades, you know, electrician and plumbers, it's, it's a little bit higher. You have to go a little bit higher. But 
Det var skrevet i skoles. Der, der skole helt massivt. Right? What was going on at home at the same time with with the yes. with everything? Was it was, was it Sam? It was it was the same. So obviously my mom was an alcoholic, but as far as I can remember, I would come home from from school, and my mom would be locked drunk. You know what I mean? You come in and she's gaggled, and there's probably a four or five other people there, and you don't even know any of them, and they're all just sitting there drinking and doing whatever they're doing. You know what I mean? And that was always there for as far as I could remember. But the usual is the same clean on this, yeah. Clean, yeah, if you get clean, yeah, 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 because yeah, that's that's the thing. I know some people to get upset by that, but if that's what you want to say, you're if that's your terminology, you just yeah. built to it. Yeah, yeah. So my man ended up getting clean then. So my man is clean probably twelve years now. So it would have been fair play to her. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she my man was in a bad, bad way, boys. She was, and she come on to. We had my man on our podcast, and she told her story, boys, and it's powerful. Like you know what I mean. Yeah. She, she's had a rough life. That, that. that yeah. must have been. That must have been uh, emotional. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like a. It was mad. It was like a full circle moment. Do you have a bit like? Was there a mixture of tears and laughter? Yeah, yeah. It was. Because, it was a heavy episode. Because it must have brought up a lot for both of you. Yeah. No, more for you because you could probably remember a lot more yeah. than her. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. So yeah, that sounds that's powerful. Yeah, that's I, powerful. And that's another thing I resented me man for years and years, boys. Like I, like I, I never. So actually, boys. So I told you already, boys. You have ADHD. Yeah. So I'm trying to go yeah. in linear fashion, yeah, and like, yeah. things just coming back. You do whatever do you know works what I mean? for you. Turn us yeah, I yeah. completely get it in here. <laughs> but uh, so when in the midst of all this madness with me ma and like. Things were rough at home, yeah. My ma took sick and she was in hospital for, for, for about eight weeks she was. And um, we lived with my auntie. My auntie Betty, she minded us, look, took us in, open arms and minded us for them few weeks. But when my ma got out of hospital, I went back to my ma and my two brothers ended up staying with Betty. She took them in and she reared me two brothers. No problem to her. Just talked. She's she's a diamond. She's an angel, boys. Like, like God knows where we'd be if we hadn't got Betty in our life. Mm. You know what I mean? She really did. But some my two brothers who are twins, they ended up staying with Betty. But I went back to my mass, and uh, like things was just rough, boys. Like, were I, you worried about your mum? Is that why you went back? Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, you couldn't leave her, no, because you know she could. You know the way the, the drug use and the, and the alcoholism was, and you were afraid for. Yeah, uh, do you know what I used to do with Timmy sometimes? And this this is a bit of a mad one, boys. Like, so there'd be parties going on downstairs in the flat, and it'd be only me upstairs, me mask downstairs, and they're all partying, random people that'd be roaring and shouting, and I'd be worried that a fight was going to happen, and something would happen to me ma. So I'd sit at the top of the stairs with a sweeping brush, and I'd wait for a fight to break out. They didn't break out every uh, night, uh. but they broke out the odd time. And when I'd hear Rodney shouting, even if they were laughing, that fear had come in like there's a fight breaking out. Yeah, yeah. So I'd sit at the top of the stairs with a sweeping brush, just in case that happened to her. And I'd fall asleep at the top of the stairs sometimes because I'd be worried. But then I'd resent her as well because she's put me through this. Even as a kid, I knew it was wrong, you know what I mean? But I only, I only really started noticing things was wrong in my, in my flat when like... Because like, some people had the worst boys mm. and some people had it a lot better. And this in the one set of flats, boys, yeah? yeah? So we'd go over to a friend's flat and they'd have like the telly on with Sky Sports and they'd have a, a press for sweets. Like just like mm. crips and chocolate and yeah. stuff like that. And the heating is on. And I loved going to them houses. Oh, mate, they were great, <laughs> weren't they? <laughs> so I loved it. And the man would come in and go, well, I already use them as Amazonis or the Domino's. Yeah. And I'm like, this... This is a bit mad. It's not like this in my flat, you know what I mean? It's just normal. And this is at an early age. I'm starting to go, maybe this is where it's put. And then I'd go home to a cold, yeah. damp flat with like trouble and violence and you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's only when you're getting them sort of memories back, you're kind of like, what's going on here? Like, it was hard to neglect your experience because that's just the way things were. Yeah. And then you went to somebody else's house and you think, fucking hell. Yeah. We're not living at all in my house, like. Yeah, exactly. It was, it's only then when you start realising you know what I mean and it's kind of a bit mad what did you do after the junior so did you do LCA or you reach or anything like that went into FOSS I did yeah I went into FOSS um, again kicked out of the first FOSS I went into I was kicked out of the second FOSS I went into I was just a troublesome kid boys I couldn't mm. I didn't want I had a problem with authority mm. I didn't want nobody telling me what to do I kind of want, I knew we're all at that age you get me on the shoulder yeah you know what I mean and I you know I was, a, I was actually a fearful kid Look, like I, I lived in a lot of fear but 
that was on the inside. Nobody knew that on the outside. On the outside, I always had that little chip in my shoulder and I wanted to let people know I'm not afraid. Like, and I'd fight very often, even though I was afraid of fighting. I used to hate fighting, mm. but I'd fight very frequently. And I think it was one of them, like, someone could say something they don't even mean it, but I'd start to fight over it to let them know I'm not afraid, even though I am. Yeah. Does that make sense, boys? Like, I was just one of them kids with yeah. a tip on my shoulder. And just a troublesome kid, you know what I mean? Oh, you, were, you were behaving in a way exactly to the... To, to your your situation, it's understandable, like. completely understandable. Yeah, Do you know a lot of stuff you were speaking about there. I would have done the exact same stuff. Yeah, all of it. If not, your story is very similar to my own. Yeah, you know. So um, it's it, we cope in whatever way we can, and yeah. sometimes we have to adapt to our environment. And if your environment is violent, and you have to adapt to that and, yeah. and sometimes that means you might have to act in violence to survive there and yeah. that's completely natural yeah. that's normal yeah. you know it's like two lions in a pack Yeah. you know if yeah. you're going to act like an animal mm. to protect yourself you're going to protect yourself in any way you can Definitely. even though it's probably not innate built into you but you're looking around you and you're, you're starting to understand I won't survive here in this environment if I don't start Becoming the same as the people here. Form of defence. Yes, we were looking at things like that's exactly it, boys. And it's only again everything is only in perspective. At the time, you don't realise that. Do you know what I mean? But like, even in moments like I'd burst and I'd have a big rage of anger, and then after I'd go, "That's not even me." I knew it wasn't me as a person, do you get me? But it was just how I acted, it was just how things came out of me, you know what I mean? And then, like, obviously I was diagnosed with ADHD in my early teen years as well, but to this day I'm still not educated on ADHD, I still don't. I know a bit about ADHD, but I'm not in depth with it, I don't know how how I should be coping and how I shouldn't be coping. I've been doing... Um, on our podcast we had a, an ADHD expert on, Enda Murphy, he's brilliant, boys, and uh, I've done a bit of therapy with him, and he's been learning me about it, boys, and it's mental, the stuff. Like, it's only now, people have this... Um, he's a psychiatrist, Yeah, as a kid, yeah. Is he a psychiatrist? Uh, I, him, uh, I, I, I was saying I see him when as, a, as a kid, yeah. I, yeah. Him, I think he is, yeah. I think, like, that's what it, what it is, yeah. yeah. Or, uh, like, people have a perception of ADHD that, like, you're just always moving, you're on the go, you're hyper, blah, blah, blah. But you don't realise people with ADHD, like, we're up and down and we crash. Mm. You know, I have ADHD, boys, and a lot of the time I, I can be crashed and I'm just in my own head and I just, I can't do nothing. I know what I have to do, but I can't get up and do it. Mm. it it's, a, it's a tough one to explain. <laughs> and even, like, yeah. ha- having the boys, boys, like, getting a dope. So we don't, people with ADHD don't produce dopamine, like, neurotypical person, boys, yeah? So we, we'll... When we produce dopamine, so you're on a base level, let's say, yeah? yeah. When, when a neurotypical person produces dopamine, they'll go up and then they'll come back to base level. People with ADHD, when they produce dopamine, they go up and then they go below base level. And then you have to walk your way back up to a base level again and go across. And then if you produce dopamine again, it's back down and it's back. And that's what, that's what my whole life is, boys. It's just crashing, getting a boost. your mood. Me mood, boys, it's it's mental, like, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm only starting to learn about ADHD in the last few months, like, and I, I'm diagnosed with that over 10 years, like, you know, which is a bit mental. And I think that has a role to play in where I ended up as well in terms of addiction. Yeah. yeah. There's a massive correlation between addiction and ADHD. Yeah. The connection between both is, is huge. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of addicts, there's actually factual and there's papers and there's research done. A lot of people are caught up in addiction. A lot of them will have ADHD uh, as well as a lot of different learning differences as well. Yeah. So that's that's factual. It makes sense. Like if your if your mood is up and down like that, and then you start drinking and taking drugs, and all of a sudden the mood is good. Mm. You want to have the good mood all the time, and just yeah. self medication. But when you're said a, yeah. a few times, when you're young, you don't have that ability to think like that. You're just like, I know, I'm fucking drink is good, or the weed is good, or the tablets is good. I'm gonna take that. So only as again as you get older or mature, you're looking back and thinking, fucking makes sense now. Mm. That peace in your life together, the giant and the dots. Say like, no, I'm bad. I'm not a bad person. I was doing all this. I know I'm not bad, but I was treating him like shit, or I was angry at that time, bro. You can understand it as you get older, you know. Yeah. That's why it's good for people to have pod- do podcasts like this that teachers know and social workers and people like that that are around young people that are like you can identify that 
he's acting out, but he's actually a good kid. If you understand his background, do you know what I mean? It's very understandable, do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with him. The right support can be a good kid, do you know what I mean? Definitely, and that's why, like I said, I hold resentment towards like skills back then and stuff like that because I'm like, how can you not read between the lines? Yeah. And just trying, I'm not saying treat these kids different, but try and nurture them a little yeah. bit better, you know what I mean? When they're acting out, yeah. get to the bottom of it. You see a kid coming in dirty boys, dirty clothes, mm -hmm. they don't look well, they haven't got lunch, they're not eating. Yeah. Surely they're the science there, like this kid needs help. Do you know, do you know though, I, I will say this though, and I've noticed in the last few years, I'd say around your time in school, that was probably the end of that kind of whole era. Because yeah. I was in school in the 80s and 90s. And it, I, I, you're, you're right, you're completely right. But there was a lot of these things weren't even known by teachers or there was no words from in the medical dictionary, a lot of different stuff. But I'd say in the last 10, 12 years, right, I think there's a lot more education there for teachers and there's a lot more SNAs in schools. I think nowadays if you went into a school, you'd be picked out straight away and looked after because there's so much of an emphasis after being put into kids in schools that come in those kind of conditions, dirty, hungry, they smell off them, they're not being washed, mm -hmm. they have nothing in their bags, you know. It has to be done. It's like I, I actually think it's against the law to leave a child like that inside in school. So we are fortunate knowing that our kids, grandkids, will go up in schools where all these services will be there to ensure that kids have been looked after. Definitely, yeah. And we're, we're definitely making progress. And yeah. We have a lot of teachers that listen to the podcast and uh, SNAs and stuff like that and they reach out to us and they tell us about the steps that they're making and the process that the skills are making and stuff like that. And I love to hear that, boys. Yes. Because yeah. I never, ever want another kid to grow up in the conditions I grew up in. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I know I'm not even the worst of the bunch. That's the sad part about it. I'm not even the worst in in my sort of flats. Never mind in the inner city, boys. You know what I mean? There's people a couple of doors down who had a worse than that, boys, which is scary to think about, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's rough, boys, you know what I mean? But, like I was saying, as I started getting older, I started, I probably found the drink at about 14. That's when I'd be out on the weekends having a bit of fun, 15. 16, then I would have found coke, cocaine, boys. That's, that was a game changer for me. Game changer. Again, it'd be just on the weekends, few bottles and an odd sniff boom grand I used to love it great bit of fun mm. I could I could like I could handle it like it was like I never wanted more 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 at that time I thought this was yeah. this is yeah I can't wait a Friday night a little 50 bag a sniff and boom that's it and it was like that for a while maybe for a year where I could do that then as as you're going, it just gradually gets worse. But he's now he's yourself with any sort of drug, anything. I have friends, boys, this is so sad to me. I have friends who are in their late 20s 
try and coke for the first time. Mm. And I'm telling them, please don't. Like, you have a, you're not 15 here. I can't tell you not to try it. And when you're a kid, you think, an adult is telling me what to do. Well, you fuck up, I'm going to do me. Yeah. You're a fully grown adult. If Don't, like... You see, what makes it worse for me, boys, is they're from the same area as me. They have never touched it. And they get to their late 20s or their mid-20s and now they want to try it. You see, it's crippled a whole entire area. <laughs> and now you want to try it. And you should be able to listen at this age now. Yeah. You should be able to sit you're back. putting it all on the line. Your girlfriend or your wife, your kids, your house, your job. Do you know what it is, James? Is all on the line. They don't, under, they don't understand that because they're seeing what we seen it as when we were 15, 16. So when we were doing it at 15, 16, this is a bit of buzz, it's yeah. a party. Yeah. And I'm only doing it on the weekends, it's grand. So that's why they're seeing it. I'm only doing it one or two days a week, yeah. it's grand. They don't understand. Boys, nobody wakes up and chooses to be an addict. No. Nobody wakes up and goes... I'm pro- if I keep doing this I'm going to be an addict in three weeks so I'll stop on two weeks and six days yeah. no one knows that well, it's progressive you, it's progressive and it gets to a point where you'll do your first few and your grand and then you'll go out and you'll have a drink and you don't need it then you'll go out and you'll have a drink and you'll want it then you'll get to a point where you need it every time you have a drink mm-hmm. and then you'll get to a point where you're sniffing and you, you don't have a drink in you people don't understand they, they think because they're only starting now or because even people have been doing it a year there's people that have been doing it a year or two and they only have a few sniffs when they drink and they think they're all good and it will catch you you're only human I know uh, not everybody has to be an addict but there will be a point in time where you need that but it's the ethics of it as well Terence like the community you're from there's been a lot of devastation caused yeah. by the drugs trade mm-hmm. you know drug dealing drug trafficking you know children being used to pass drugs around like when you're snorting that off the cistern in your pub, like how many people's lives has that been affected getting that drug to you? 100 you know I mean? Some people think that because it's a white powder, it's a clean drug, and look at the junkies injecting the gear. But there's nothing clean about that drug either. Yeah. And people have to realise that too. 100%. And it doesn't matter what fucking drug it is, boys. You'll bring it to your fucking nurse. You know what? Sometimes I just think people need to go down that road. Yeah. Be able to understand the devastation that it'll cause them and their families. Mm. So it's, it's it'll all depend on somebody's awareness around themselves. And yeah. sometimes they might have to try it, whether whether it's something for them or for, or for not. But like it's still important to voice it. Your opinion, mine, James's. Just let people know what kind of devastation is there. And you said it. You, you're only human, like mm-hmm. we all have stuff in here that we're insecure about, you know, stuff we can't deal with, confidence, you know, and maybe underlying stuff. And if you feel something like for me, I'd know confidence to be right. A few lines of coke, I'd go up there and I'd ask anybody anything, do you know, I'd loads of confidence Dancing, calling the boards you over know? the whole lot. You didn't and give up all if it's doing that for you. Then you're in trouble. Because you know, yeah. then like that, you can't live your life without us. Yeah. But you know, people that go through school and it's okay, and then they go to college and they get, and then they get a degree, and then they get a nice job, and they get married, have a couple of kids, they buy a gaff, then they come into the late twenties, early thirties, and I think like, is this it? Am I at the missing out? Yeah. yeah. But at least we got ours out of the way when we yeah. were a bit younger. Do you know what I mean? We know there's nothing in us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So now we can move on with our lives and walk and do the podcasts and live shows and get mortgages and look after the kids. We know there's nothing in that. But like when you've achieved all that, I know you're risking it all because that can all be lost by them. Like James, I say it all the time. And look, I have a couple of friends. I have friends who are locked up. I have friends who are dead. I have friends who are in active addiction like they can't get over they're trying their best but I have friends who are in recovery as well and we we, we thank our lucky stars that we did it at that age mm-hmm. and we got to a point where it brought us yeah. to our fucking knees boys I was on my knees it brought me to rock bottom mm-hmm. I got to a point where I was on that every single day snipping coke no drink no nothing in my room every single day what kind of stuff did, it, did you end up doing because of the coke yeah. Mate, where, did it, where did it bring? Yeah, what kind of coke we get? <laughs> Great A, Colombia. No, no, we'd never go into that kind of stuff. What kind of stuff did, did you end up doing because of it? Well, you know, like like yeah, all drugs. Definitely not. I mean, I mean stuff you're safe talking about, yeah. like stuff that really made you look at your life and say. 
this isn't even who I am. Like, mm. you know, stuff that you said, stuff that y you you now understand were the reasons that you actually stopped because of your actions, you know. Um, it could be anything for me. It was all the times that, you know, I left my wife and fa my kids down, you know, the robbing, you know, the guards around the door, the trouble around the door, all the other stuff around women and stuff like that, all that shit, you know. All that stuff added up into the end kind yeah. of, of Timmy finishing. Yeah. What was your story around that? It's it's, it's very similar. Like, obviously, yeah, <laughs> people kind of think, well, yeah, Snip and Cowgate, just do the match. And obviously, I took a wrong route to be able to fund, it. fund that. Yeah, obviously, boys, it's, yeah. it's common sense. I'm boys. involved in drugs myself. Yeah, there's do you know what I mean? There's, there's, you have to, it is what it is. You're not doing it today. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's and that's what it, that's what it is, yeah. I took the wrong route, boys, and, and I was doing a lot of stuff that's not me. A lot of stuff that I'm ashamed of now. And, and I look back on it... Uh, and to this day, I still kind of think, oh, what was I kind of doing there? Anything to fund that habit, you know what I mean? You don't give up bollocks when you're in an active addiction like that, when you need that every day, you know what I mean? So I've done a lot of stuff I'm ashamed of, but in terms of what kind of stopped me, it's was around every relationship I ever had. I'm not talking about relationships with girls. My ma, my poor ma was in fear every single day thinking I was going to be found dead. Like, if I was going out on the drink, as I said, I was I was sniffing every single day, bar none. That's without drink, yeah. When I was going out on the drink, my ma was up the walls. She she used to tell me all the time. I'd come in after a bender, three-day bender, four-day bender. I'd come in, and she'd be saying to me, Tardin, she's going to be found dead one of these days. Like, you can see the fear in her eyes. My two brothers, they're the two closest people in my whole entire life, but three of us stuck together. We've been through it all, mm. taking things, seeing it all together. Them, they couldn't sit around me. I was a very aggressive, very aggro person. Like, I just had this switch in me. I can't explain it. And back then I just thought, this is just who I am as a person. You don't realise that addiction has you like that. I was kind of thinking, I was always, like, I had a switch and whatever, but they couldn't be with me. They couldn't sit with me. They And they used to, they tell me now, they, like... I was a monster as a person back then, like, you know what I mean? And they're not ashamed to tell me that. They, they say to me all the time, like, you are hard to be around, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it just brought me to a place that I never want to go again, boys. And again, even Jordan, I still never thought I was that person because of that. I thought I was just destined to be yeah. this person. I always just thought circumstances. Accept it in your, in your family, in your environment around you. This is what's all the stuff for me. Exactly, James, and that is exactly it. Like I used to look at my surroundings. I used to look at a lot of family members. I used to look at friends who are in the same kind of position as me. I would say, this is just the way we're meant to be. Mm. We were brought up like this, and this is just who we are. And I used to kind of just accept that and do it. But I got to a point, boys, where it just brought me to my knees. Like, not, I never, I never had, I never wanted to follow through on suicide boys yeah but there was many a times when I thought if I am going to do it how am I going to do it mm -hmm. and where am I going to do it and what's the easiest way because I can't keep doing this many a night to set up and I cried into a bag of coke mm -hmm. while I'm sniffing it I'm crying I and saying I need to stop this you know what I mean like I need to get out of this or I'm either just going to be found dead over it because boys I was probably going through three to five grams a day Every day, bar no, three to five grams. Every single day. It's on when I look back now I say, How the fuck did I not take a heart attack? <laughs> There's a couple of times I collapsed down my standing. Like if I was out on the drink and I'm full of, and I'm out for three days, so a couple of times I kinda of just collapsed <laughs> and come back to myself then I'm like people are picking me up and trying to ring and I'm saying, Don't be ringing. That's not bleeding normal, boys. Talk there about crying and taking the cork and I remind me myself, I remember fucking Injecting the, the gear, we going into the arm, and the tears be coming out of the eyes. Mm -hmm. Not wanting to do it, but not knowing how to stop, yeah. not knowing where to go. But like, is this what's there for me? And just not getting nothing off it. It's not helping you. It's not making you high. Or it's not blocking or anything anymore. But you still you don't know what, where to go. Like, what, what, what did you do? Where did you go? Isn't that the scariest, saddest feeling in the world, boys? Oh. Do you want this to be taken out? Yeah. Do you know all those? different times that you cried into your bag mm. you cried with a needle yeah. that I prayed to God inside in the shed mm. up for days and days all them 
your lad it's to the end exactly all them you, you won't know you, you, we probably never know it but all those different things added to the end of the game for each of us yeah. the demise of us using drugs and alcohol everything if all those small bits okay weren't here from the moment I started right to the day I stopped all those small bits were, weren't there would you have stopped would you have stopped here on your last day of drinking just because of what happened on that day? No. 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 So all these individual things, they needed to happen. It takes a lot of pain to come to the tunnel. Don't like it. Boys, that's rock bottom. Yeah. That's rock bottom. And I say it all the time. You know what? Some people's rock bottom is a grave. Yeah. That's the reality of that too. Or there's yeah. four or five rock bottoms. Yeah. Or you might get it and then... You get a few weeks and then you're back at it again and it's like, oh, the fuck, then I have to fucking up again. Well, that's what happened to me, boys. I'd, like, I didn't just go, right, I'm done with it. It didn't, but I don't think it'll ever just walk like that. No. Do you know what I mean? As I said, I was using every single day, boys. And rock bottom for me was, I'm not a religious person, boys, yeah? I just never have been, but yeah. just not one of them people. Boys, I used to sit down, I'd pray on the edge of my bed, God, please, if there's a God out there, you'll stop this. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's only times when, I, them last few months, boys, of using, I never left the gaff. I never left the house, never. I just sat in my room and sniffed all day long. And I'd be on social media and Instagram and Facebook and stuff, and I'd see... On the porn sites as well. <laughs> yeah, beyond everything, bro, yeah. everything, Fucking yeah. watching porn all day long. <laughs> and you're on that and... There's no shame in it, like... You've no shame and nothing, but I, I'd be on that and I'd see people out, like, going for dinner. Or I'd see people out having a game of football or just living their life on a hike. Anything. And I'd say, I'll never get to that point, like, this is just me now for life. And, like I said, them last few months were rough, boys. I, I had many a times where I tried to stop and I'd get the three and four days without using. And I'd think, I'm done. I know I'm done. And one little mishap in my life. I mean the smallest thing, an argument with someone, yeah. fuck that, and straight back on it. You know what I mean? And I had many of them moments where it was like, I could go two days. I know that might not sound like a lot to people listening, but when you're using every single day and you need to use, and you can get the four days without using, mm. you know what I mean? Like that was, to me, four days was a lot. A week, if I got to a week, ah, sure, yeah, my nose was healing and all after a week. You know, the scabs. Yeah. I had all them scabs around my nose, in my nose. It, it was just horrible. Oh, mate. Fucking rotten, mate. And, like, if you get to a week, I'd be, oh, sure, I'm healing up. Yeah. I wonder what I'd be like to do a sniff. I haven't done a sniff through a clear nose in yeah. four years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that would be the. That was my thought process. I'm a week clean, yeah? Oh, I haven't done a sniff with a clear nose in two years. Fuck that, let me try it. Boom, and you're on it. Yeah. And then I got to a, boys, I remember, I remember the specific moment, as I said, there was many, many rock bottoms, yeah, many, many times where, where we cried into the bags and where we cried and said, we need this to stop. But there was a moment, there was my auntie's 80th actually, and all the family got together out in my auntie's house and we were all having a few drinks and a buzz and it was a great little night. And I remember everybody was going home and going to bed and doing that thing. But I sat up all night, of course, on my own. Everyone, there's 20, 30 of us in the gaff. They all go home and go to bed at a reasonable time, maybe two, three. And I sat up all night doing coke in the kitchen. And then my auntie comes down the next morning and I'm in the kitchen. And I just go, oh, I'm going to go into the sitting room now. So I left and went in there. And all the family's coming back around to the house the next morning. They're all in the kitchen. They're having breakfast. They're cooking. And they're all laughing about the night before. You know, the, the hangover laughs. And they're all, I can hear them all having a good time. And they're ready to have that breakfast and all. And mm -hmm. I'm still in the sitting room, still going from, from the previous night. And there was just something about that morning. And I can't explain it. That just got to me. And I just said, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck this. Again sitting there with it in my hand and I'm like why can't I just be like them they all had a drink they all went home they're all coming back the next morning to have a buzz you know what I mean while I'm still sitting here with this and I know I'm going to be on it for another two or three days like I know I'm not stopping and once I do one I'm not stopping it just doesn't agree with me mm. and from that moment I think I stayed up another <laughs> couple of days anyways on it and then I stopped and that was it that was it for me I ended up I gave up the drink I gave up the coke, I gave up the gambling, and I gave up the smokes. All in one sitting. The smokes came the smokes came about a month later. All in one sitting. 
obviously that's too much for somebody like me without going to rehab yeah. or going in somewhere. I didn't get any help. It was just... I can't, I can't explain the feeling. Did this time in coincide with the start of the Talking Bollocks podcast? So, yeah, so I got clean in July 2020. The podcast started in November 2020, so it was a couple of months clean. And you know when I used to be on my head in the room, I used to say, I used to be, if I had someone there with me, I'd be saying to them, one day I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I always had, I always wanted to do a podcast, boys. Yeah. I don't know whether it was Joe Rogan or James English or who it was, yeah. but I, I know I'm saying this five years, boys. I'm gonna do a podcast one day. I'm gonna do this, and I'll be giving her all that. You know, you know when you're over and you're passionate about it. Yeah. One day I'll do this. One day I'll do this. And I have a friend now who used to be there with me, and he's fresh, and he just said to me, "It's magic halter all when you are yeah. like." Out of the head, you know what I mean? But uh, but I always had a passion to, to deal with the podcast. I knew I could never do it in the state I was in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So obviously I got clean, it was a couple of months clean, started the podcast in November 2020. Yeah. That took off, that blew up. And then I had a slip in March 2021. And that was the last time I've had a drink or a sniff, boys, because I tell you, rock bottom. Oh, boys. Now. Sometimes we have to test the water just to realise there's not yeah. there for us no more. You just forget, don't you, boys? Look, at the start, look, I was probably eight months clean and again, I had a mishap. Can I ask you a question yeah. about that slip? Yeah. What was going through your head before us? How, how, for how long before the actual slip itself were you thinking about the slip? Two, I remember two, three days and I'll, I'll tell you what, this is how mad it is, boys. I remember waking up two or three days before that and I could taste a drink. Well, I didn't even miss the drink. It was the coke that I missed. But I could taste a drink in my mouth. Yeah. I, can't, I can't explain this feeling, boys. It sounds a bit nuts. I remember waking up and being like... It was like I had a nightmare about being on the drink and I could nearly taste it. Mm. And I was like, did I? No, that was a dream. The relief. Yeah. But now I wanted it. And it was like it was almost manifesting in my head. Like that it was going... Oh, I could see it coming, boys. Yeah. I could. And... That was about two or three days before the slip. And then the slip came, something happened, had an argument with a certain person, lost the head, went on the drink and stayed on it for two days on the sniff, boys. And that day I was rock bottom. Yeah. And I always say it was a blessing in disguise that was because it made me realise that I was missing nothing. Because mm. then couple of months claim were the best couple of months of my life after being in that rough for so long. To be clean for that long, and I went back to it. I missed nothing. It was the same thing. You sit up all night. You're giving it large portions about. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. And all this garbage talk. It's the. It's just the same sort of talk about violence and this. And oh, it was the. You know what I mean? It's the same sort of show at the same kitchen tables. Yeah, yeah. This fake fucking yeah. persona. Like that. You're not even that. Per you, you, I'm actually a good person. Yeah. But when I'm on that, I want to take on the world. I'll do this and I'll do that and I've done this before. And I'm just not that person, do you get me? None of us are. None of us are. Of us you are. know what I mean? But that, that slip, I always say, was a blessing in disguise. The last time, touch wood, because trust me, boys, I've had a few names. Just now, <laughs> let me ask you, you should probably tell me I'm nuts and I won't be surprised if you do, yeah? Because I think I am a bit nuts, yeah? But, uh, Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. In March, boys, March gone, yeah? Paddy's week, believe it or not, was the week that I had to slip in 2021. Mm, yeah. So March just gone, yeah? What, two months two ago? Years, yeah, two, two years after. Two years after, the same week I had the old dry since the start of the week. Now, what I was thinking is this, like, is this the, like, is it the week that's in it? Because I used to love Paddy's Week. Every year when I was walking, I'd book Paddy's Week off walk the year before. So if I was here now, I'd be booking Paddy's Week 2024 off yeah. because that was my favourite week of the year. There was the horse racing, there was the football, yeah, there was the drink, the snip. That was just my week. So I think my body was kind of getting used to it. But March just gone, boys. Tell me if I'm nuts, yeah? I got up. I had an urge to drink all that week, boys, yeah. I rang Calvin, obviously my co-host in the podcast. I rang him. We were supposed to do a podcast that week. I rang him. I was crying my eyes. I said, Calvin, I can't do the podcast. I can't get out of this gaff. I was just in a rut. Yeah. I can't explain it. But I, there was a point, one of the days, where I said to myself, do you know what, I'm, go I'm going on the drink, right? But it was like I went into a state of bleeding, psychosis or something, boys. I, I got up, got dressed, and was going down to the shop to buy a drink, but I wasn't 
this it was like an out of body experience, yeah. It was like I got up, got dressed to go down and get drink, and when I got to the front door, I kind of went boom. What, what the fuck am I doing? Where am I going? You know, and you then snapped I was, out of it. It was like I just snapped over yeah. at the door. I got yeah. to the front door and I was like, "Where the fuck am I going?" And then I was like, "Oh, I'm going down to get drink." What the fuck is going on in my head? Mm. And it was like that has happened to me. Is that yeah. is that? So I'm not oh, crazy, yeah. Come on, crutches. Yeah. yeah. And then you get a, then you get a bit of awareness. You bring yourself back. Say, what are you actually doing? Yeah. What am I doing here? Like this isn't healthy. What uh, the fuck? Yeah. Where's my head gone? Yeah. I thought, boys. I remember thinking that. I remember saying it. Doesn't matter how long you're away from a drink. Yeah. I still think about drink on a, not, not on a daily basis, but I still think about it regularly enough. Yeah, I know it can be. I, listen, I don't I don't miss the drink, but sometimes, but this, the, don't know the warm weather. Yeah. The sunshine, I think, it's be nice. No beer garden, uh, you know, a pint glass aside, or with ice. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. But I have to follow that up with. My drinking wasn't like that at all. My drinking <laughs> was Linden Village with a bottle <laughs> really bent down in the lane. Getting skull dragged by the shades afterwards. Yeah, and nah. That was yeah. my drinking. Yeah, and then yeah. if I think about, oh, it'd be nice now to get dialed up, go out to the pub, have a few, you know, uh, Jägermeisters, a few lines of coke. But like yourself, when everybody, that's a Friday night, everybody's going to work Monday morning, I'm around the place looking for an off licence <laughs> or looking for a bag of gear to come down or... That's the reality. You just have to follow up with the reality. Where where's this going to get me? Yeah. And the one thing I would say to you, Terence, because you're, you know, two years away from that relapse now, is to sometimes because they, they talk about addiction being cunning, baffling, and powerful, and the cunning part of it can try and convince you. You had a slip before. You had a bit of a blow. You can go again. Mm-hmm. You know, just have a blow. You'll get back again. You got back. That's a dangerous place to be because yeah. you can turn into a serial relapse. Or yeah. your quality of life between the relapses then can be very poor. Yeah, and you're fucking demented because you're just white knuckling it, trying to get through until you have the blow. And then, you're... but what you're doing with the podcast, I think, because for recovery, life and recovery has to be better than life and addiction. But I think for me. Life and recovery, when I did the education piece, and then I finished with the five or six years in education, the same with Timmy, what's my next project? And I was the podcast, now I run with that, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You have to find something and making the connections. Now you've one of the biggest podcasts in Ireland, multiple like, sold-out live shows, now a huge following. Your life is good. Yeah. And you just have to run with that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because... Drug is not going to give you the feeling that it is to walk out in front of Vicar Street, people cheering you on, do you know what I mean? That stuff by a drug will never give you that. That's what I say all the time, That that that's worth, that feeling there, if you could bottle that up and sell it, it'd be worth millions, that feeling of walking out to a live show, yeah. and that's better than any drugs in the world, and there's no way I would have a podcast or be able to do what we're doing if, if I was still using or if I went back and using. People in your community and not just your community, in the wider community in Ireland, mm. they look up to you now. You're a role model. Yeah. You're an example of somebody that come from this neglect and violence and addiction and poverty, but you're after mm. making it and people will look up to you. So there's a kind of a responsibility and we feel it too. There's a responsibility now. It's not all about me. I have to show other people that, you know what, there is... that a... pressure get to you, boys, because I feel a bit of pressure with that. It can. Yeah. It can. I feel a bit of pressure in recovery, being on, and it's the way I spoke so openly on the podcast about recovery and where I am and, yeah. and what stage I'm at. I feel a bit of pressure now, and even during that week in March, a lot of things was coming back to me of, like, if you do this... You're going back on everything that you've stood for. Yeah. You know why you stopped in the first place. You're telling people to stop for the reason why you stopped because anybody can end up on their knees begging God to get them away, man. Anybody can. I don't care who you're at, what background. Anybody can end up in that position. And you're telling people that. And now you're going to go back using. Yeah. And I feel the pressure of that, boy, sometimes. There is a pressure, but the only thing I would say is you have my number. The yeah. phone is always on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Pick up the phone before you ever pick up the drug. Yeah. And you, somebody might say something to you and might snap you out of it. You might be gone in the head and you might say, I might say something to you, Calvin or somebody that'll bring you back to the present moment and you think, fucking hell. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, those days will happen and life is difficult. It doesn't matter if you have a fucking a decent podcast or a shitty job, you know. We all have bills to pay and we have to look after ourselves and stuff like that. Life is difficult for everybody at times. But it's just about like you, when things is going good for you, keep working on your recovery because you now when times get tough, you have stuff in the bank yeah. that gets you through those tough times. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. Do you think you're doing enough in, terms in regards to for myself? Stay sober. 
No, definitely not. But what, what more do you think you could do to help us? See, I think... Do you think you could start doing a bit of counselling, maybe going back to meetings? Yeah, well, that's it. Like, I haven't made a meeting in a few months. And, like, I kind of got caught up in my own head and I kind of... There was a period of a, about a, a couple of months where I was like, I didn't get an urge. And it was like, do you know what? I'm out the other side. That was my finish line. And that was the mistake I made because I was like, the podcast kind of is my bit of therapy, you know, that yeah. hour or two every week, boys, yeah, where brilliant. all you can focus on is that podcast being entertaining, yeah. having questions for the guest, or even if it's just that you're on camera, you're on the mic, and you're trying to entertain mm. or do whatever you're trying to do on the mic, you're trying to tell stories. That's my getaway. Mm. That's my bit of therapy. Mm. But I'm not doing enough in terms of educate myself on why I'm getting the urges now because I get an urge frequent enough boys I don't do. worry about the urges yeah. Yeah, that's normal yeah. it doesn't matter how long you're waiting for a drink yeah. don't worry about them what you start need to start doing in your life and I'm not telling you what to do here mm. I'm just advice yeah, that's it you need to probably start getting a counsellor mm-hmm. okay and you also start need to start involving people that are good for you in your life people that are really good for you People that might have a good bit of time behind them, people that are positive, you know, you need to watch your company and watch the places you're going to. Yeah. Bring it fucking right back to the basics. If the meetings aren't fire, if they're an issue for you at the moment, that's fine. You need to start focusing on other stuff. And this isn't just for you, no, this is for me. It's for him as well. Yeah. This is for everybody that's listening. Yeah. Because I had a strange old time myself the last few months, which I'm not going to get into now, but you still need to go back to basics for everything. When it starts going pear shaped, then it will get a bit tough here and there. So just be mindful of that. Yeah, I have. You're on the right path. I'm on the right path, and I have got some good people in my life, boys. The likes of Willie Wee. He's now yeah, with that. Willie's in recovery 20 years, and he's done a bit of bleeding time himself, and he's had a mad, mad life, boys. And he's he's yeah, he's me go to, boys, when yeah. I'm struggling like that. They'll ring me. Roberto Buchel as well. Yeah. And, and what I like, he tells me straight. Yeah. Well, look, you haven't been doing this, and you haven't been doing yeah. that. You need to but do The last thing you need is a lot of yes men in your corner. Exactly. You need somebody that pull you up on your bullshit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I keep you on the street. And you know what? I'm going to say this before we finish. The rock bottom, right? So yeah. We were talking about rock bottom. We were going, I'm just afraid that I might have frightened one or two people <laughs> in relation to sometimes the rock bottom is death, especially if someone's listening to this and they have a family member that's destroyed an addiction. You know, um, it's, I probably came across a little bit strong with my wording, but the reality of it is that, you know, it's sometimes people do end up dead they because of drug overdose yeah. or something like that and that's sad and sad you know and my heart goes out to anybody that's that's after losing anybody through drugs or that like that mm. but there's nothing anybody can do for another person that's caught up in addiction until they ask them until they ask them for help you can't catch their hand you can't tell them that they're going to treatment because they'll rebel, they'll walk out, they'll run away, they won't get it. You need to leave them. Just leave them know that you're there for them. You know, put no conditions on their recovery or them getting into the air or, or getting off alcohol and drugs. Mm. And that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Be there for them. But there is a way out for everybody. No matter if you have a family member and you think then there's a way out. Yeah. And... They might hit rock bottom and go, do you know what? The only way is up from here. I need it. Yeah. I've seen it, boys. I've seen people on heroin. I've seen it. My own mother. My own mother was one of my biggest inspirations to get clean. And I want I've to give her a shout out. Shout out to her. Shout out to her. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah shall yeah, I tell you? Like a brilliant story. Have a listen to her episode. Yeah. Episode 23, boys. Really, it's very inspirational. But when I seen her getting clean, I thought, if she can do it, anybody can fucking do it. She must be very proud of yeah, you. And you, you, you proud of her too. And back, and back at her as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What you should do. I will listen to Tommy's episode, my brother's. Um, he was on a few months ago there. I'll have a listen to that. We grew up in the same house now, two different people. It's mad, isn't it? a good story. It reminds me a little bit about your mother if you thought she was a hopeless case. Yeah. Like we thought the same about this fella. Mm. Now he's thriving better than anybody I know. Brilliant. So, pleasure talking to Terence. Boys, he's a legend, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, brother. Legends, Thank boys. Best of luck with everything, yourself and Calvin, in the future. And sure, uh, we'll cross paths many times, I'm sure. And same to yours, boys, you are absolutely smashing it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.